Well, that's an interesting answer. None. Zero. Zip. So about 85 years old. Uh, this is post-flood, so this is when people are going to stop about 100, maybe 120. And he'd go up and he'd introduce himself. Hi, I'm the father of many. Again, the question, how many kids do you have? Uh, one, kind of. And that's a fun story you have to read about him. We meet a guy named Ishmael and all kinds of crazy stories about how he comes to the scene. And then at 100 years old, 100 years old, God comes to him and says, a year from now you're going to have a kid. His wife, who is 90, goes, Psh! and starts laughing because in her mind she says, I'm well past the years of childbearing and now the Lord gives me a kid? Um, it's a poke paraphrase, but that's kind of how it plays out. And so this child of promise also comes with a name change. Abraham, the father of many nations. And again, he'd go and introduce himself. Hi, I'm the father of many nations. And again, the question, how many kids you have? Uh, one and kind of another one. How are you building nations out of that? I don't know. God gave me a promise, and he is the promise. Can you imagine how spoiled this kid was? The, he's not the first grandkid, because I'm guessing everybody else is gone. But he, you've got to know that Isaac was spoiled rotten. And yet, about 15 years old, God says it's time to sacrifice him. And he tells Abraham... Take this promise that you've given, that I've given you, this child that you have, and take him up to the mountain and sacrifice him. The scripture doesn't record any conflict, but as a daddy, I'm thinking this wasn't an easy thing. I'm not thinking he packs up the mule, packs up the knife, packs up the wood and goes, let's go to the mountain. I just don't see that. He firmly believed, he trusted God, that God would provide. Whether that would be that Isaac would be resurrected, or whether that would be something else would be provided, he had this trust in God, and so up the mountain he goes with Isaac. Now, he lays Isaac down on the altar, and the, the scripture records this interesting little conversation. Um, Dad, we have the, the fire, we have the, the, the wood. What are you doing? I, I can't imagine how this conversation went down. I don't think Isaac just kind of went, okay, and laid down on the, I don't know, I wasn't there. Scripture doesn't tell us, but he's submissive and he's trusting God. And the whole time, Abraham's ready to go, pulls the knife back, ready to go. And just as he's about to go in, God stops him. And over in the brush, there's a ram and God provides. And I think through what it means for us to be a living sacrifice. And I think for a moment, we need to be willing to sacrifice whatever God requires of us. But the only way we're going to do that is if we're able to fully trust him. The, able, the only way we're going to be able to fully walk through that is if we fully trust him. That comes first in trusting him for salvation. That comes following that in every aspect of our lives. And here's the thing. It's a developed aspect of following God. It's not something that we just come to. I've asked others about our church family over the last several years, and there were times when the second service filled this section, right? Maybe filled this section. The first service filled like six people. 
And there was a question on whether or not God would bring us through it. There was a question at one point, many points, I think, whether or not to even continue the first service. And I remember thinking as I came in, what, what is the first service? What is it that's about the first service? So I came. And I fell in love with a handful of adults who really, really love Christ. And I thought, this needs to be built up. And now we run 20 all the time. And that's not, ooh, we built that up. It's that people began <coughs> trusting God for him to do something, and stuff started happening. We started seeing that in the second service. This is no longer the second service. This is the second service. And you look around going, it's kind of empty today. And that's okay. We've got people all over. Uh, all of our seniors are gone. Chris is gone. Sal, are gone. Uh, how are you holding up? Okay, good. Um, <laughs> But we look at all this and we go, how is it that we've come this far? It's because we place our trust in God. We could tell story after story after story of how God has done mighty and powerful things in the life of his church. And that takes us to the next thing, accepting unconditionally. Now you'll notice in this picture that uh, Trevor, the man in the, or young man in the plaid shirt, is kind of at a distance and he's walking up to this crew. Uh, that's because he was exploring just before that. But... This picture also begins to help us understand that as a church family, we've got to be able to look beyond ourselves. We've got to be able to look beyond where we are and see people who may be searching for something. It may very well be that the Holy Spirit's already been working on them and drawing them to himself. And then in the midst of that, he brings people here to one of the smallest buildings and congregations in the, the church sector of Sugarland, And yet, God is faithfully providing. And here we look around and we go, how can we not accept unconditionally? Let's look at Romans chapter 12, <coughs> verses 3 through 5. It says, for, the by, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. I think through how God has designed this church family and unconditionally accepting people is one thing that comes in. Here's the thing. We've been given different gifts and we're to exercise them differently. I would not expect for everybody to be Mike coming up here and preaching. Everybody gets an hour. Let me think about that for just a second. We'd be here for three days if everybody had an hour to preach. But I'm not asking for that. Nor is the Holy Spirit. God has gifted each of you differently. God has gifted each of us to do what it is we're supposed to do for the kingdom. And so what we look at and we go, I am part of the body and I have something to offer. And that something to offer is different than what Chris has to offer. And that's good. Because then I can accept Chris as a brother in Christ and say, I am so grateful that you can do to the drums what I can only imagine doing to the drums, and it is a blessing. I get up there and I get a stick on it, and it's like, the only thing I've got is the ba-dump-ching, and that's because I need that for my own personal edification when I say <laughs> poor jokes. Chris, on the other hand, gets up there and uses the gifts and talents and abilities that he has and makes those drums almost stand up and dance. And I'm blessed by that. We're all blessed by that. 
And while Chris could come up here, he's not called to do that necessarily. And that's okay. Because when we accept each other unconditionally, I look at Chris and I go, take off, man, do your thing. And then he turns around and says the same thing to me. And it's a beautiful picture of what it's supposed to look like. And I think this probably matches what our body matches or looks like the most. They can't see it in this picture, but Trevor has a mohawk. And that's not necessarily a reason to accept him or not accept him. But the guys in the picture are very much in the moment. There's only one other guy on this trip, and he's hanging out with the rest of our group. These guys are hanging out in a gun turret. That's actually what that is, uh, where the whole gun would just spin around. and They're just hanging out, and I'm taking advantage of having my phone and taking shots. But this is us. Very different backgrounds. I could say without a hesitation that Ryan and Trevor are very different people. I love them both to death, but Ryan's more chill and subdued. Uh, Trevor um, is much more active. A nice, that, that's an accurate way to say that. Uh, you'll see Andrew uh, looking off in the distance. You see a couple of other guys kind of looking off, and they're there, and every one of them's different, and yet that's exactly how we are. And this is a beautiful picture of us using our gifts and talents to draw people in to what it is that Christ has called each of us to do. A few years ago, God brought Trevor. And that was a blessing. We'll talk more about Trevor in just a little bit because uh, we are going to do something a little bit different. Uh, we've done it before, but not everybody else around us does it. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But this is something that for us is a beautiful picture, accepting unconditionally. Let's move on to John Wesley and Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. John Wesley, when he first uh, started preaching for God, was on a mission trip to Georgia from England. It was in the 1800s. He was here. He was walking around. He was doing his thing. And the thing was, he was miserable. Because somehow, uh, he was in the Church of England. He was kind of serving a little bit. But he didn't know Christ. I'm not quite sure how you pull that off. But he did. And he was here and he was miserable until he came to the conclusion he had to get some things right. So he went back. Started serving in the Church of England. Started growing and doing a lot of different things until he, he was riding around on his horse, going to different churches and preaching the gospel. Some accounts have him writing over 7,000 sermons. Had an opportunity this summer uh, to be in his house. The guy was so involved in serving others that he would have people in his home and while he was while they were there, he made them all go to bed at 9 o'clock because he fully expected to be awake at 4 o'clock so that he could spend two hours in prayer and reading scripture, so that the next thing he did was interact with people, so that he could serve people. Now, I, I'm not that guy. I can get close. I'm a great, I'm super in the morning. I can wake up fairly early. Four o'clock is just not, I can't do nine o'clock. My body just won't. Maybe some of you can. Four o'clock, you can do that. By all means, uh, take that. The rest of us are like, uh, some of them, some of you in the room are like, God doesn't even show up until 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, Give me my coffee. And that's the girls. Um, you know, if that's you, um, six o'clock may not be your thing. 
Uh, four o'clock may not be your thing, but this guy gives us an example of serving selflessly. He may have been five feet tall, but he was a firecracker for the Lord because he wanted to serve, and he wanted to serve selflessly. And so he gives us an example. Let's see what it looks like in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, let us use them. And it's okay, as we said just a moment ago, for us to have different gifts. And when we all use them, the body works well. We're not all supposed to be opposable thumbs. They're very useful, but not everybody's going to serve that purpose. There are some who would never, ever, ever even think about getting up here and speaking to people. But who love people so much that they'll serve them in the background. And they'll take care of needs and they'll do things that nobody else sees, but that's how they serve the Lord. And I look at that and I go, that's how the body is supposed to work. My kidneys are not on the outside of my body getting a lot of attention, but I'm so glad that they're working. My mouth runs all the time, clearly. Um, (laughs) Even when I'm asleep, so I'm told. But it's not important that my kidneys do the speaking But it is important that my kidneys do their task. And just like that's true for my body, it's true for our body. That we serve selflessly, that we find ways that we can put our gifts and our talents and our abilities together. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Mike was preaching on the Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts that come along with that. The enabling by the Spirit to do something for the kingdom. Here's the thing. If you are a believer in Christ from the very beginning of creation until this point now, God has been setting up his kingdom and giving us a task. Further the kingdom. If you are a believer, you have the same mandate. Further the kingdom. And it's using your gifts and your talents right where you are. There's one person in the room that I know of who has a seminary degree. And it's not me. But that doesn't mean that's the the requirement. In fact, it's probably better if a lot of us don't have seminary degrees. Because you can reach people that seminary degree people can't reach. Doing what you do. Living life faithfully in front of other people. Serving selflessly. Now, this is the heart of what I do. Teaching the next generation. This is why I'm a youth pastor. This is why I'm a Bible teacher. This is why I'm a daddy. All of these things come into looking just like this. Now, this is the first time that Jeremiah has done uh, mowing in the backyard. This was this summer. The beginning of the summer, I'm really big on teaching my guys how to be men and giving them benchmarks to know, hey, Dad says men do this and I'm closer to being a man because now I can do this. Now, that's not saying that women can't do lawn, lawn stuff. I'm not saying that at all. But in my guy's life, they need to be able to take the responsibility for those things. And so you'll see that both Nathan and Jeremiah have their hands on the mower. Okay, Nathan is uh, very skilled at mowing the grass. Uh, the only thing he can't do is the weed eating, and that's because the weed eater is as tall as I am, and he's not yet. I give him about a week, and then we'll probably be okay on that. But 
Nathan had the task of teaching Jeremiah. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, I can't teach. Because he's looking at me and he's comparing himself to me and he's saying, you're the teacher, I can't teach. I put my hands in my pockets. I told him to go out there and I said, teach your brother. So Nathan started the mower and he said, let me show you. You can see how it's lined up and maybe you can kind of see the grass um, where it's right there and it's going to be kind of a narrow path and that's okay. And Nathan walked right next to him the entire length of this strip. Turned him around and did it again. This is what I think our church does well and we will continue to do and that's teaching the next generation. Now, if I were going to say it is expected for us to be disciples. I would want to know what some of those attitudes are, what would be expected of me as a disciple. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give a whole lot of commentary on the next part because I don't think it's needed. But what I want to walk you through is if I was going to show you, if I was going to have a conversation with you, if I was going to live life with you and say, it's expected that we become disciples, this is what I would think it would look like. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly, never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. These aren't things that we can do naturally. These aren't things that we wake up in any given day without the Spirit of God showing us we can't do these things. Don't be, pr don't be proud in your own eyes. Outdo one another in showing honor. Never be wise in your own eyes. Weep with those who weep. Some of you, when somebody calls you, or even Facebook messages, I know that not everybody uses that, but um, and they're giving you something that is just tearing their heart out, something in you just can't help it, and you're weeping with them. That's not natural. That's what the Holy Spirit does inside of us to bring along his comfort through somebody else who's willing to weep along with you. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. We don't start off knowing how to do that. We don't start off knowing how to pray. We don't start off knowing how to give to the needs of those around us. It comes as the Spirit shows us and it comes as we do life together. Notice that Nathan has now taken his hands off. But he's right there. Clearly I am too because I'm taking the pictures. <laughs> and if you'll notice, maybe you can see it, maybe you can't. Um, he missed a spot. 
How many people see that? My OCD people are like, oh, you missed it. I could care less. Don't go back and get that part. Because at this point, Jeremiah is learning the confidence to take care of the backyard by himself. This is the first attempt, and Nathan took his hands off. He's right there, teaching him. In fact, just after this, I tried to show Jeremiah how to turn the mower back around because I like the back and forth strips. Can I get a witness? <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. I like that. But I show him how I do it. Well, I'm far larger than Jeremiah. And my way of manhandling the lawnmower is different than the way he does it. I'm just like, and we slam and go. Jeremiah can't do that. So Nathan comes up beside me and goes, Dad, can I show him how I do it? Oh, I guess. Since that's what I want you to do anyway. And so what he does is he, he shows him a way that works for shorter to the mower. It works perfectly. Jeremiah has now taken on the backyard several times this summer. In fact, I've gotten to the point where this, yesterday I was in the front yard. I was pulling weeds. Nathan finished up what he was doing. He was in the front yard. And here my nine-year-old is mowing the backyard. Is it perfect yet? No. But that's not really the point, is it? How does this apply in our own spiritual lives? There are going to be points where we're going to have somebody walking alongside us and they're going to be hand in hand, shoulder in shoulder, showing us how to live life. And there are going to be times when they're going to step back a little bit and let us go. And sometimes we may miss a little bit. But here's the thing, God's not done with us yet. And so we can go back and try again. Jeremiah is still not strong enough to pull the bagger off and dump the bagger. I heard the lawnmower turn off yesterday. Nathan was up front with me. Nathan, Jeremiah needs your help. As a loving father, I know exactly what's going on. And I intentionally put somebody in Jeremiah's life to help him do it right. Please don't miss the spiritual connection. Our loving Father puts people in our lives to help us grow, and half of them are in the first service. And if you don't know people from the first service, take some time. Come up at 845 and meet them. They love people. And they've been living faith longer than some of us have been alive. They have some things to share. Some of them are upstairs right now getting stuff ready so we can eat. Praise the Lord. It's good. Some of you in this room are looking around going, yeah, I, mm, I can't do that. I think every person in this, in this room needs two people in their lives, somebody that I would call a Paul and somebody that I would call a Timothy. A Paul is somebody who is older and wiser in the faith, who can pour into us, who can show us how do we walk through this, and somebody uh, can show us how to pray and how to read Scripture and how to grow and how to love our families in the, in the name of Christ. And then we need Timothys in our lives, people that we can pour into and say, I don't have all the answers, but the answers I have I want to share with you. And let's, let's do this together. Let's do as Nathan is with Jeremiah. Let's walk through this. Let me show you some things that I've learned. Is Nathan a pro at mowing the grass? He's gotten paid for it, so I guess that makes him a professional. Um, he does the zigzag pattern diagonally in the front yard just because he can. Uh, he doesn't want to go straight across. I don't know why. He's like, I think it looks better, Dad. Hey, it's your yard now. Do whatever you want. I'll edge it for you, and you do the rest. And so he'll do that, and he'll, he'll get finished with it. 
But my whole goal in all of that is to teach them how to do it themselves. But if they ever have an issue, I'm right there. The same thing is true in our, our walk with Christ. As we think about the next generation, as we think about our role and our responsibility, that plays out in a lot of different ways. But a big question comes up. What does a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit, bearing spiritual fruit, and gifted with spiritual gifts actually do in God's kingdom? Here we go. We go. As disciples, we go wherever Christ sends us, and we make more disciples. That's our task. And whether that's helping in children's ministry and helping them come to the point of becoming disciples, whether that's helping in student ministry and helping them become or grow as, as disciples, whether that's at your workplace, in your home, at Kroger, wherever, God has placed us in his world to make a difference. In just a little while, we're going to talk about two different opportunities. One, uh, I love this about our church. We're going church. We're ascending church. Just from April to this point, we have done, I think, four or five commissioning services. We have uh, commissioned those who have been serving with Elijah Rising. We have commissioned the group that went to Baton Rouge. This time last year, we commissioned the uh, graduating seniors as they went off to college. We'll do that again in just a little bit. Uh, we commissioned Sam and Hayden last week. Um, we commissioned the Amens a month ago, a little over a month ago. We are ascending church. Why? Because part of making disciples is being out doing life. Here's the thing. Every time we leave this place, we're sent out. We gather so that we can have fellowship and community, and then we go back out with, with what's been taught to us, what's been revealed to us, what Christ has shown us, so that we can live life faithfully in front of other people. And I think as I think I may have left off at least one of our commissioning things, but that's the thing. We have so many. Why do we keep putting that before us as a church? Because that's who we are. If we're really going to live out our core values, it can't stay here. Because eventually, if it just stays here, it'll be like the Dead Sea. Stuff flowing in and it just stagnates. In just a few minutes and, uh, toward the end of our service, we'll have yet another opportunity to put before us. It's something to consider. It's right here in our own backyard. We are going church. And there's a reason. And the thing is, again, only one of us, at least right now, has a seminary degree. But all of us are called. All of us are qualified if the Holy Spirit is in us. We're ready. Let's go. Now, you don't have to do everything that's offered, but don't do nothing. I know it's a double negative, <laughs> but it's supposed to be that way for emphasis. No. Um, don't, don't sit and allow yourself to do nothing. That's not how discipleship works. It's just not. And so I want to challenge you this morning to respond. That's all. Just respond. And so we're going to take just a moment. I'm going to ask you to pray silently where you are and whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is placing on your heart. And maybe he's going to place it on, on your heart in a moment. Um, just commit today 
to be one who not only lives out those four core values, but to be one who goes. After we pray together, after we pray silently, I'm going to ask Trevor to come up. We're going to have an opportunity as a church family to, to send him off because it's what we do. Let's pray together.